0: coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at thirty thousand feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life
1: no purchase necessary btw root void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hello i'm scott soshnick and i'm evan noby williams and this is sportacast
0: All right, Novi Williams, we're going to start real estate. We'll do a little real estate in sports. I know that you do have a cooperative apartment in northern Manhattan. I myself left Manhattan for New Jersey, so I've got, you know, my my three-bedroom house in in New Jersey, but my wife is always telling me that we could probably use some more space. So I, I'm wondering, are you in the market? for something with 56,000 square feet. Could you, what would you do with that? Do you need that?
1: I think I could get a second bike if I had 56,000 square feet. Yes, Scott. You could just, you could do all your biking indoors.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Rain or shine. All right, so this isn't just any property. This is Michael Jordan's former house in Highland Park, Illinois. Of course, that's, uh, used to be close to where the Bulls practiced, Um, but it's been on the market since 2012 went on the market for $29 million in 2012. Nine years later, still on the market. And I don't know real estate well enough in the Chicago suburbs to know if 14.8 million and 56,000 square feet is a good deal or not. But the price has been reduced to 14.8 million, but still no takers.
1: Scott, if it's going to drop $15 million every eight years, we can afford it in eight years.
0: Yeah, you and I go together and we'll just sort of make a commune. <laughs> like we'll just the, the Novi-William clan and the Soshniks. You did, I mean, twice you did babysit for Jackson. He's now 12. He doesn't really need that. But you, you are aware of the maniac that does get unleashed.
1: <laughs> he would do well in a house this size. Uh, it's, it was, this is a story that that our colleague Daniel Libet wrote earlier this week. There was so much buzz around Michael Jordan last year when ESPN dropped that that multi-part uh, documentary series, The Last Dance, his collectibles shot up in value. There, It seemed like there was everything Michael Jordan had touched seemed more valuable because you know, millions of people had watched that documentary. Does not seem to have applied to the house. Not only is it on the market, as you said, the, the price has gone down precipitously in the last few years.
0: Yeah, uh, Daniel spoke to the agent for the property and they are getting people to come through and look at it. Unfortunately, from a real estate perspective or, or a broker's perspective, these folks seem to be more just sort of interested in seeing it as looky-loos and not real buyers. That said, she did say that there are some Asian and European buyers that have shown some interest. But for some reason, she said she still thinks that the ultimate purchaser will be somebody from the local area. Uh, who, who needs 56,000 square feet like from the local area? And if they haven't bought it in the past 9 years, I mean other than the price drop all of a sudden someone from the area is going to say, "You know, now's the time to pull the trigger."
1: You know what the problem is, Scott? The problem is that this is an actual house that you can own and not a digital yeah. rendering of a house <laughs> that would sell for for $14 million, the, the digital art of Michael Jordan's house might sell. So what sell mean, they need is the, the, uh, the they need actual Dapper,
0: house Dapper Digs Lab. That's what they need. Dapper Digs Lab so you can exactly you can actually, uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean exactly. Michael, as we know, like he's in Florida now. He owns a couple of homes in Charlotte, where of course he he owns the basketball team. Um, he sold a home in Park City, but this one, for some reason, you, you would think maybe just from the collector's standpoint or or huge fan of Michael Jordan, the Bulls era, that that there would be some value there. I, I, what what do you do at this point? You you've dropped the price by fifty percent over the time. Uh, there is this sort of COVID-inspired move to the suburbs. This, however, you know when they say you hear people talk about the properties, like, it just needs the right buyer. This one ain't easy. This one needs the right buyer. And that may be maybe someone of a certain age, obviously, wealth, who really just loved Michael, loved the bulls. I mean, other than that, it's, it's hard to think of why one would go for 56,000 square feet.
1: This sounds like it's a nightmare for the booking agent now. It, it may be an easy thing. Thought it could be an easy thing to sell because it's Michael and it's a really nice house. But you know, as we said, people are calling, but they want to tour the place or they want a chance to meet Michael, which is not the not the kind of phone calls you want to field if you're if you're selling this house. And Michael himself is, as you said, he doesn't live there. He's paying a lot of property tax. Not that he can't afford that.
0: one point three million a year in taxes? Property. We'll tax.
1: see. We'll see what happens right. there, Scott. To transition from something that's decreasing in value to something that's increasing in value wait a minute
0: wait a minute wait a minute i don't want i don't want to transition yet oh i don't want to transition transition yet go ahead we're not done with bulls real estate in the area Mm. there are other members of that team that are also (laughs) trying to sell their homes i mean when you say jordan who else do you have to say in tandem uh you gotta go scotty scotty pippen he too he's got a ten thousand square foot home uh on the market 2016 for three million Now it's down to 2.1, not sold. You know who's had success, however? Tony Tony Kukoc. Kukoc. (laughs) Tony Kukoc. Sold his house in October, 920, under a million. So no mansion tax, 920,000 for a 5,000 square foot house. So I think we're starting to see where the barrier, the barometer is under a million dollars, under 10,000 square feet maybe there's a market for it. Now it took, transition, Novi Williams.
1: It took 20 years to find the thing that Tony Kukoc was better at Michael Jordan at. Um but yes, Not now we it. can now we can transition. Um from again, from something decreasing in value to increasing in value. News you broke last week's got Redbird Capital, a, a private equity firm that we talk a lot about, a pretty big deal here. They're buying more than 10% of Fenway, Fenway Sports Group. Group that owns obviously the Red Sox, Liverpool, Fenway Park, a few other assets, values the entire enterprise at $7 billion. Not an insignificant amount of money there for, for a premium sports ownership company.
0: I'm thinking maybe the segue could have been something like from MJ to LeBron, because LeBron mm. has equity in Fenway, has a piece of Liverpool. Maybe we could have gone that route, but from I'm not going to hold it
1: to Yeah, there were some options. Yeah, there. tough.
0: Yeah. But for, for those who are unfamiliar with Redbird Capital, of course, founded by Jerry Cardinal, he's, he's done a lot in the sports world recently. He bought Toulouse, the French soccer team. Uh, the big one bought the XFL with The Rock and Danny Garcia, bought into Wasserman Media, also part owner of the One Team Collective with uh, the NFLPA and the MLBPA. We'll talk about that in a possible conflict of interest in a minute. But this is really about that eye-popping valuation on Fenway Sports Group. I mean, Red Sox, Liverpool, these are iconic brands. This isn't just sort of you're buying any sports team. You, you wonder with this assets. so look at the pool of assets that uh, that Redbird is creating. How do they tie in if they do, but on the big scale? I mean, you know media is important. You know technology is important. You're getting in with John Henry, who of course is the majority holder there. What can you do on a global basis with icon- multiple iconic sports brands.
1: Yeah. And, and this is the end result of, and you know, better than almost anybody, the end result of a lot of conversation between Redbird Capital, between Jerry Cardinal, the the, the principal of Redbird Capital and, and the Red Sox and Fenway group. There, there was a talk in there for a while about maybe the SPAC that Jerry is involved in Red Ball, uh, which also involves, uh, Billy Bean, the longtime, uh, baseball executive, them maybe trying to take uh, Fenway Sports Group public, uh, which obviously fell apart. Didn't happen. It sounds like the valuation there was in the eight billion dollar range, so a bit more than the valuation ended up for the for this minority equity piece. What happened there from the from the from from, from taking the whole thing public? Why did that fall apart?
0: Well, let, let's keep in mind they never actually acknowledged that those talks happened. Um, we wrote about it, citing <laughs> sources. The Journal wrote about it. Uh, sure. also citing sources um you just wonder if the public markets are ready for pro sports ownership and also are the leagues ready for public ownership of teams uh on our event not long ago on specs um many of the people on the panels said that the disclosures are a big problem for the sports leagues they simply do not want to divulge as detailed of financial information as it would require to be a publicly held entity. So uh, that's not a surprise. You you do get glimpses with the Green Bay Packers, with MSG, with Liberty Media and the Braves. You get glimpses, but the level of disclosure, I think Rob Tillis was one who said this, the level of disclosure that would be required for public ownership of a pro sports team is not something that the leagues are really, let's just say, enthralled about at the minute.
1: There's also a bit, and we talked about this a few weeks ago with NASCAR. NASCAR was able to make a bunch of changes to its schedule this year precisely because a lot of the companies that own tracks are no longer public and that they could make decisions that were maybe long-term decisions that weren't directly benefiting shareholders. When you're a public company, you're beholden to the the profit margins in a way that I I, I would see could be difficult and problematic. For, for well, there's teams, a reason right, the NFL like does to, not want
0: corporate ownership. I mean, exactly, there's a reason. Exactly. They don't want decisions being made on this quarter to quarter basis. And we've we've heard business titans. I mean, I've been in meetings and we, we've heard like Mike Bloomberg talk about being a public company and how that mandate to hit numbers quarter to quarter could make it difficult for a long-term plan. Even if you're going to lose money in the short term, if you think something's a good idea long-term for a company, it's difficult to execute if your shareholders are saying, we want returns now.
1: Exactly. And we see so often in sports, te- even big teams, the New York Rangers are, are in the middle of this right now. They do a multi-year restructuring. They, they essentially tell fans, it's going to be a, a rough couple years, but we're setting ourselves up to be successful three years from now. And that is something that becomes, I think, a lot harder to do if you are a publicly traded company and beholden to shareholders.
0: Yeah, and I find it interesting, by the way, that you mentioned the chat between Fenway and the SPAC, you know, red ball. So you're getting to a point, you're seeing if there's something there. But inevitably, out of those discussions, clearly the private investment is what was the avenue that, was, that had a pathway. So out of what, I don't know if you would say failed or just sort of um, just sort of kicking the tires or exploratory, however you want to say it, it became evident to both parties that this was the better way to go, or the easier path to consummate a deal. Uh, my guess, um, probably close in, in the next four to six weeks. Right, I, b- I believe we're in, we're in that time frame. What um, still needs to be approved by the uh, the, the Fenway Sports Board. Um, my guess is rubber stamp there, and uh, these two parties certainly know each other. But uh, very interesting that iconic brands. Uh, and and private equity getting together. We're hearing about private equity looking to buy into uh, multiple teams in the NBA. We'll see about the NHL. That's more of a liquidity crisis. (laughs) Um, So much going on between the private equity world, private capital, and professional sports. So four to six weeks
1: means that this deal will close after the NFL announces its new set of media deals. Most likely, We are recording this on Monday. It seems pretty clear that the NFL and its... Current and also future TV partners are pretty close to finalizing uh, a very hefty rights increase across the board. Scott, give us an update right now on kind of where we stand on the precipice of these things being finalized and announced.
0: Yeah, well, I guess the eye-opener came late last week where our pal John Randover over at SBJ came out and said that Disney was close to renewing its Monday night football deal. And the the accoutrement to that is that ABC would get back in the Super Bowl rotation. They'll have a uh, first time in 15 years that, you know, ABC would be there. Uh, but the money was, was you know, it was like 20 to 30% increase. Now, they're already paying the most. Like, people would look at that and say, the Disney deal was the least of value there. So obviously, they're not going to pay as much an increase as the others. But mm-hmm. from what I'm hearing that that number might have been low. Uh, The 20 to 30 percent perhaps on what the existing deal included, but they are getting added highlights. Uh, There are some other parts of the deal, those Super Bowls that we just mentioned. So at the end of the day, me guesses that number is going to be a little bit higher. Not the doubling that some others will have to, but certainly uh, I think a little bit higher. And it it makes sense in the rationale because like Bob Chapek, the CEO of Disney went on the earnings call, and he sort of like, you know, lobbed that balloon out there saying that we're going to have to make sure that our shareholders get value here. You know, I'm, I'm not sure if he was sending a message or trying to send a message to the NFL. But if you talk about who needs who more, and you know, I love to do this with you, right? Who, yeah. Remember when the NFL did a deal with Fortnite? And I'm like, interestingly enough, I think this is one of the rare occasions where the <laughs> NFL needed the other entity more. more, right, to reach the kids and everything. So we're talking about Disney and ESPN, ABC, in the NFL, who needs who more? I cannot imagine, and I'm betting a whole lot of cable, satellite, telcos could not imagine paying nine dollars per subscriber, nine plus nine dollars plus per subscriber per month for an ESPN that did not include live NFL games. How about you?
1: Agreed. I agreed, and, and just to kind of like lend some numbers to this context, ESPN right now in the current deal pays about one point nine billion. That number going up to 2.6, according to Iran. We'll see where that finalizes out. But as you said, that's going to be the smallest increase of all these big packages. CBS, NBC, and Fox, for all of their their Sunday packages, they essentially pay a billion dollars a year. That's going to go up potentially double. Depending on what you listen to, that seems to be what the ask is right now for the NFL. Some things that we don't know, though, Scott, kind of heading into when these things get announced, principally what the Thursday night looks like. Right now, Fox pays a good chunk, about six hundred and sixty million dollars for the TV rights to the, the non-NFL network TV rights to that. It sounds like there's a lot less interest from Fox and its competitors for 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 that kind of side, that side TV package. Amazon is the streaming partner on Thursday. They pay significantly less than Fox does. It sounds like this could end up with just a streaming partner and NFL network. Do we think that's kind of where? Thursday ends up, or do you think there's going to be someone that sneaks in and takes that Fox package away?
0: My guess, chatting with people in the know, is that the NFL will grant, in order to achieve its revenue targets, those internal revenue targets, not that they've ever come out and said, this is X is what we want, but my guess will be that in order for them to achieve, let's say a doubling, a 2X, that they will have to grant significant exclusivity to a streaming partner. And it's seemingly... More and more, looks like it's going to be Amazon. Amazon. Um, the value there, it, it comes in the exclusivity. Of course, there has to be some games on NFL Network for them, of course, to charge what they charge, satellite <laughs> subscribers. We, we've already talked about that. But the NFL is the most valuable sports programming out there. I mean, look at ESPN, by the way. Do, have you done math? Do you know what ESPN gets just, you know, in, in its sub fees? $9 <laughs> <A billion lot. laughs> And that's before you add, as our, our pal Anthony Krupe put it, even a single ad or commercial. $9 billion a year in those sub fees. Uh, the NFL is a big part of that. And it's not just the games, by the way. Remember, these are 24-hour sports networks. There's a reason when you flip on ESPN, uh, you're going to see a good chance that somebody's talking football, whether they're breaking down a highlight show or whether they're forecasting another game. There's so much programming and highlights and the highlights are taking on an even increased uh, value because we know how, what are younger kids consuming? They don't watch the full game, but they are certainly watching highlights. There's so much value there. It, it is as close to must have programming as you've got in the sports world.
1: The one chunk of the NFL big media deals that we're probably not going to get, at least in the immediacy is, is the result of Sunday ticket. Uh, AT&T currently pays about $1.5 billion a year for that. Um, And that's another one we don't exactly know. Is that going to end up in the hands of one partner, two partners, both digital? Unclear on that. Uh, But taking a step back beyond just media, Roger Goodell, back in 2010, Laid out this what what people thought was really ambitious this plan to hit 25 billion in revenue by 2027. Uh, back in 2010, the NFL revenue total was was a little over eight billion. It's around 16 or 17 billion now. These deals, Scott, are going to be essentially the principal bedrock for getting Roger or not getting Roger to that to that target. How do we feel a year into this pandemic? How do we feel about Roger? That, that, that prognostication and whether we think that's, that's feasible, is it too low even, given the fact yeah. that, that the NFL is so popular?
0: With the NFL's track record of creating dollars, even out of existing packages, even no new inventory, no new stuff, yet they figure out a way to better monetize it, my prognostication would be that Rogers 25 will not only be met, but be eclipsed. That's, that is my guess, that they'll, they'll figure out a way to slice dice and uh, capitalize also. We've got data. Uh, you've got sports betting. Sports betting, uh, There are sure. new revenue streams, uh, valuable revenue streams, both on not only the straight-up data side, but the engagement side of things where, where the rights holders will be able to better monetize the data and the users that they're, you know, it's, right down the funnel, people are going to be able to better monetize excuse me, all the NFL stuff that they have, which leads me to believe that 25 will be not only hit, but exceeded.
1: Agreed. And and that gives an easy transition because you mentioned sports betting there. Want to close for, the show? I did it by, for a reason. <laughs> by closing the loop on a partnership we discussed last week, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, the NHL team in, in Las Vegas announced last Wednesday that they had a partnership with a sports betting tout service, a company that takes money to give sports betting advice. The response uh, from a lot of people across the sports business world was varying degrees of, Wait, can of I, can shock. Can I give you some surprise. credit? Hey, Noby Williams,
0: can I give you some credit though? Can I, I, I can credit. I, can I, can by I tout you her her or yeah, <laughs> you right away, right away, you were on the phone to me or Slack to me or email to me or something to me. You were like, I'm shocked by this. Like, I am shocked. Like, this this just doesn't seem like something the leagues would want the team to do. You were reaching out to folks at the company, at the league, the team right away. You were knee-jerk reaction. Wait a minute. what This doesn't make sense. So kudos to you.
1: And yes, and and somebody <laughs> agreed with me. The, the deal uh, on Saturday was terminated. The, the Vegas Knights have not talked at least publicly about exactly uh, what led to a deal that they had signed uh, being announced as terminated a few days later. But it's pretty clear that either someone at the league or someone at the team looked harder at this idea of partnering with a company that Uh, that operates in that world and said, you know, this is not something that, that we want to be doing. And our colleague Corey, who runs uh, our morning newsletter, he heard from major league baseball, the NFL and the NBA, all of whom told him our teams are not allowed to sign deals with tout services. So I don't think we're going to see another NHL team do this anytime soon. And it doesn't sound like we're going to get any, a team from any of the other major sports signing a deal like this anytime soon as well.
0: All right, let me ask you this, though. We don't have a lot of time left, but let me ask you this. How far down the road until they can sign deals with tout services? Sort of like, you know, we're not getting involved in sports betting because reasons one through nine. Here we are. Now they can make so much money at it. Of course, it's OK now. Yeah, times have changed, right? Whatever. The money changed. It's OK. So I'm not saying immediately, but down the line, if there's enough money offered up by tout services, do you see teams uh, able to sign deals?
1: I think the answer is is no and the reason i say that is because it it, it i view uh, you can i view tout services as an impossible business and if you do it well either enough people are going to subscribe and you they're not going to be able to bet the lines that you're suggesting or sports books are going to subscribe and change the lines as soon as you put them out there's really no way to do this at scale legitimately and i think that's the biggest hurdle i think it's less about Kind of the proximity that a team has to sports betting or, or, or how much the, the, the company you partnered with is, is relying on, on, on its, its picks working out or not. It's just the fact that the industry as a whole just can't really operate on a legitimate level. And there's problem gambling issues that we talked about last week as well. I think those are the problems. And again, I I just don't see I don't see an economic case for a tout service operating on the up and up at scale in a really respectable way. And as a result, I just don't think it's gonna be, you know, it's and I'm not gonna say it's a pyramid scheme, but you wouldn't see teams partnering with companies that are pyramid schemes because it's just a it's it's a shady corner of the business world. And I don't think we would see a tout service for for similar reasons.
0: I am going to repeat Eben Novi Williams just said I am not going to say it is a pyramid scheme (laughs) it's not just wanted to just wanted to (laughs) just wanted to make that quite clear you said not a pyramid scheme he is Novi Williams on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams I am Scott Soshnik on Twitter at Soshnik and to please our social media guru Cora Veltman you are listening to the Sportacast on Twitter at Sportacast what will be the hub of the Sportical podcast network